the Holy Family Chapel Hill podcast, where you will find our weekly sermons, as well as the occasional reflection, conversation, or interview. We are glad you are here. Welcome. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Jacob is our ancestor in the faith. We hear his name all the time, Lord God of our fathers, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And here's what we know of Jacob thus far. When he and his twin Esau were still in Rebekah's womb, they struggled so much that she cried out, if it is to be this way, why do I live? He bargained his brother out of his birthright and conned his father into giving him his brother's blessing. On his mother's advice, your brother Esau is consoling himself by planning to kill you. Thanks, Mom. He fled for his life. Jacob is not an especially especially likable character. He's really kind of a punk. This is odd, but not incidental. I'll come back to that. Off Jacob goes until he arrives at a certain place, no name, just a certain place, where he drops to the ground, tucks a rock under his head, and falls asleep. And wonder of wonders, a vision of heaven opens before him. There is a stairway with angels ascending and descending, and there, standing beside him, is God. God speaks to Jacob, this punky, conniving, troublesome man, and promises him everything God has promised to Abraham and Isaac before him, land and ancestors as numerous as the dust in which Jacob lies. And also, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land, for I will not leave you until I have done what I promised you. And Jacob blinking awake, realizes he has somehow stumbled into the gateway of heaven. The stories of scripture never cease to amaze and confound me. This past Tuesday at morning prayer, we read the part in 1 Samuel in which Saul tries very hard repeatedly to kill David. McCall, David's wife, saves the day by plopping a wig made of goat's hair on top of an idol, sticking the whole thing under the covers, and announcing, sorry, David's sick, when Saul's men come looking for him. After that, we read the lesson in Acts, in which St. Peter gets left standing at the gate, because Rhoda, the maid who answered his knock, was so excited to see him that he enough to tell everyone. Poor Peter is left outside, still knocking, still saying, hey, let me in. We all laughed both times. The stories in scripture are like that, vivid, and sometimes, if we're honest, a bit nuts. 
And why is scripture populated with these odd characters and strange stories? Lots of reasons, no doubt, but here are two. First, scripture is populated with people, and this is how people are. Second, these are stories about God. One of the chief ways the Bible tells us about God is by recounting the stories of God acting the lives of actual people in all their complicated humanity. And what we learn time and again is that our faithfulness may be uneven, but God's is not. Jacob may be an ambiguous character, but God is not. I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land. God is steadfast and steadfastly faithful, working God's gracious, life-giving will through people who might make us want the Lord, and this is a case in point. But this is also a source of great hope. If God can work God's will through Jacob and alter the course of human history through this flawed human, cannot God do the same through us? You may have noticed that the cover of our service bulletin features something new. It is a quote from Rowan Williams' remarkable book, Tokens of Trust. He writes, a well-functioning Christian community is one in which everyone is steadily working for the release of the gifts of others. I am pretty sure that your vestry has heard this often enough that they can recite it by heart, which theory I invite you to test later. (laughs) That is what is on the bulletin cover. Here is why. God has a history of bringing God's perfect blessing into the world through decidedly imperfect people like Jacob and like us. God has given us everything we need to have God's blessing be a lived reality for all. And then God invites us into the adventure of discovering our blessedness together. We are invited into a life of attentiveness and wonder and delight in which we approach our neighbor expecting to discover particular gifts waiting to be be named, released into our common life and into the world. What better theme and reminder for a community in a time of transition as Holy Family is? And I don't mean just the transition from our beloved former rector to me, but also the transition from a community whose life together now includes having come through a pandemic. We have some rebuilding to do together, which means we have new opportunities, new visions to realize, and new possibilities to consider. Not all of this is comfortable. Some of this feels like lying in the dust with a rock for a pillow. But remember, that dusty, rocky place turned out to be a gateway to heaven. All of our life together in joy and sorrow and wonder and boredom and transition and new and old and all of it is an adventure in the company of God. We have an opportunity to turn to our neighbors new and old in expectation that they will discover our God-given gifts as we discover theirs. And we will help one another offer those gifts. We are invited to pay attention to one another, prayerfully and expectantly. And doing so will help us discern how, where, and to what God is calling Holy Family now. We will work to release one another's gifts because through them, God will bring forth blessing. God's presence is transformative.
It changes people, including Jacob. Some years, adventures, two wives, two concubines, one daughter, 11 sons, and another on the way later, Jacob returns home. As he draws near, he's anxious about meeting Esau again. So he prays, O God of my father and God of my father, of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, O Lord who said to me, return to your country and to your kindred and I will do you good. I am not worthy of the steadfast love and faithfulness you have shown to me. Deliver me, please, from the hand of my brother, for I am afraid of him. Yet you have said, I will surely do you good and make your offspring as the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted because of their number. Jacob knows he is unworthy. He also knows God is faithful, and that is what he prays. Because you, O God, are faithful, because you made these promises, I am asking you for help now. God's hesed, God's steadfast faithfulness, transforms Jacob from scheming punk to ancestor of a nation who on his deathbed claims the God before whom my ancestors Abraham and Isaac walked as his own. The God, he says, who has been my shepherd all my life until this day. And God claims this messy, complicated, imperfect man right back. From this point on in scripture, God identifies God's self as the Lord, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. This is my name forever, says the Lord, and this my title for all generations. Blessed be the Lord God of our fathers, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Blessed be our God, whose steadfast faithfulness accompanies us and sustains us all. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. You can find out more about the Church of the Holy Family at holyfamilychapelhill.org. Thanks for listening, and join us again next week. Peace be with you.